Welcome to the Knowing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bach, a licensed professional counselor. On the show, we explore who the real Jesus is with his love, with his power, and with his endless pursuit of humanity, with the hope of changing our lives. Today, we're reading John chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you do, you do know him, for he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. In a little while, the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. Wow, a couple things come to my mind. One, I remember I would used to read this passage and it just didn't make any sense. There's so many repeated phrases and it seems to be saying nothing at all. <laughs> at least that's what I used to think. And I wonder if you can relate. Um, but then now, you know, that's the second part. I notice how because of Jesus, um, I see this passage very differently. And so it means a lot more to me. And I'm noticing how much I need this every day and today, right now, specifically. It's fascinating, right? So verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I can think of so many individuals who probably with good intentions only focus on specific commandments, right? And, and this would be similar to the Pharisees. We can easily pick certain sins or commandments that we maybe struggle less with. And then we put down others and we see ourselves as superior because, well, I don't steal. I don't commit adultery. I don't, you know, fill in the blank. And that's part of the reason why in John and other gospels, Jesus stretches out the meaning of the law so that he, he's bidding for us to see no one can say that we're faultless. So I think of even like take the adultery uh, example. And he stretches out to say, if you even looked at a woman lustfully or had unclean thoughts, you've already committed adultery with her. Is that to put the listener under shame who's already feeling repentant and realizing he needs Jesus? No. It's for the especially arrogant who think, well, I've already done all this. I have already spiritually arrived. I am God's special chosen person because I'm perfect. It's to knock well, and sometimes I'm that person too, so to knock me, to knock us, to knock anyone down who is thinking that they have spiritually arrived. And simultaneously, Jesus is saying, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, I also can think of brothers and sisters, myself included, who used to think, oh my gosh, I sinned. Therefore, that means I don't love God. Therefore, that means I'm not saved. And you follow that uh, line of thought. Okay, so we have to be aware. And I don't know if this is just a Western thing, this is a this time in history thing, or this is a human beings seem to, at least in Western culture, love black and white thinking. 
Well, if I did it once, that means it's just, I sinned, so therefore I don't even love God. I didn't keep all the commandments. I messed up once, and obviously it's way more than once, but for conversation. And therefore, now I, it must mean I don't love God. It means I'm not even saved. So black and white thinking aside, and if you're struggling with that, that's a different conversation. There's no shame there. It sucks to have black and white thinking. It, it creates a lot of instability in our hearts and our minds. Um, but I'm holding the other side of the coin now that, yes, if we love Jesus, if we love the Father, and I'm going to argue, I think the intention here, I'm not trying to change Scripture, you will keep my commandments, I think you will, you will have the intent and the pattern of desiring and hoping to keep his commandments. Because we know it's not possible to keep God's commandments. We need Jesus, right? If we fool ourselves into thinking we have it all together, we can keep all the commandments, where is there a need for a savior? How would that prevent us from being arrogant and spiritually proud by saying, look at what I have accomplished. How does God get the glory if we are the ones out of our own strength accomplishing these things? That's why I'm submitting to you it might be likely to say, if you if you love me, you will attempt to keep my commandments. You will care about keeping my commandments. You'll have a pattern of concern for my commandments. And then right in the text, we see the link that we are not the ones accomplishing this. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and the Father will give you another advocate to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a unique experience only, I think, for the believer. Only, I think, that I'm not, if I'm missing it, please let me know. But I think only in, in Scripture, it only references the Holy Spirit living inside of Christians. We have, I mean, sure, you can be convicted by the Holy Spirit. I would argue what our conscience is. But we have a unique, as Christians, relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I just love that he says, I'll ask the Father, he will give you the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. Man, I don't know about you, but like there are so many times in life where I felt utterly alone. And this is where I love having this podcast and being a Christian counselor and theologian and try to bridge the gap because feelings are real. God gave us feelings. They can be incredibly helpful and useful. But feelings do not always, or even I'd say usually, represents an objective reality. So in my case, when I feel alone, yeah, that feeling sucks. It's terrible. No one likes feeling alone. But to say that because I feel alone, that means the fact is that God isn't here, that God doesn't care, that the Holy Spirit isn't dwelling in me right now, is false. And I don't know about you, but that's where I'm so tempted to go. My feelings feel so strong, and I let them rewrite, I mean, incorrectly and not truthfully, the reality and the truth. So hopefully you hear me arguing that, yes, we need to have our emotions, talk about them, express them, share with one another, be empathetic, caring, and kind but also not letting feelings get the last say in the story and become facts. So I'm hesitating because I don't know how to say that better because obviously like they, they aren't becoming facts, but attempting and claiming to be facts. So not only are we not alone, but we 
through the Holy Spirit and only through the Holy Spirit are truly able to keep the commandments of God. And this just makes me excited. I almost wish we had a video going right now so you could see my face. Um, I love, I'm beginning to learn in the last couple of years, I guess, that it is such a great freedom to realize that I used to, as a younger person, I used to fight like, I don't, God's glory. Why does he get all the glory? I felt like it didn't matter at all. And it was an meaningful conversation to to go into and to have. And I, I, I wish I'd had better conversations about that. But the problem for me was I was missing a great reality about God. I didn't realize by wanting the credit for good works, I was placing an unbearable weight upon my shoulders. And every time I fail, you know, dozens and dozens of times every day, if I was honest, then I was a failure. And even when then I, quote unquote, maybe succeeded through false behavior change, um, it wasn't satisfying because I knew, even though I wasn't owning it, that any second I was going to fail again. God getting the glory for our sanctification is a freeing reality because he is the one doing the deep work. He has all the pressure on his shoulder. And then the joy that we get when I get to say, Heavenly Father, you are changing me. You are making me more like your son. There are eons and eons to go, and I'll never get there, this side of heaven. But you are making me more like Jesus. In the realm as as a father, as a husband, as a human, as a friend, as a counselor, you are the one doing that work. And I'm not going to lie with you. I'm going to take off the mask yet again. And (laughs) my my unsanctified nature is like, you lazy. You're just, you're finding a cop out so that you don't have to take credit for anything. And sure, uh, I can, we all can be tempted to just say, almost have like a, a spiritually apathetic approach to all of this and say, well, it's up to God to sanctify me, but I do care. I care about missing the mark. I know that I'm, I hurt my wife. I hurt um, I, my kiddo, I guess. I don't know, he's a baby. He probably didn't even know what's going on, but uh, I will miss the mark with him and it's gonna suck. I miss the mark all over the place because I'm a human. And I think that's, and I probably have to parse that out because this is a newer concept for me that there is, and the Bible does actually address this. I don't know the Greek to be able to unpack it well, but the Bible talks about there's productive guilt and sadness and there's unproductive guilt and sadness. And I think that's where a lot of us would gravitate to a more modern understanding. Well, shame is unproductive Uh, sadness. I'm bad. I just suck. I'm just disgusting or a problem versus guilt. I did something bad. And I know that's probably like offensive to a lot of our culture, but as a counselor, let me plead with you. It is incredibly toxic and damning even to live a life where you don't feel guilt for what you do. And we have a term for that. It's called a sociopath. And I'm sure there's a spectrum But like, I can think of people who in their story, they didn't take any remorse for what they've done and they continue on a very dark path. And that sucks. Now, again, on the other swing of things, 
sitting in a pool of self-misery, not productive. And that's where the black and white thinking that we talked about at the beginning of this episode is so important. We can't wallow in self-misery. That's not going to fix anything. And and we would call that shame spiraling. And I maybe should probably do a whole episode around that because it's complex, but very good to know that if, if someone says, hey, you hurt me, and I just say, ah, I'm a terrible person, I'm the worst, that's not productive. That's not what they said. And say you're the terrible person. That's black and white thinking. To say just because you missed the mark here and hurt me here doesn't equate you to just being a bad person. And that's something where we all need to take ownership and responsibility of our own story and say, man, why do I swing to one extreme? And so then I don't even let someone to have their emotions because I make it all about me instead of being able to hear, oh crap, I hurt you. That sucks. I didn't mean to do that. And let's talk about how to you know, do better in relationship. Here is this unique combination of we don't want to sit in self-misery or shame, unproductive sadness and guilt, but we don't want to just say, oh, you know, <laughs> I can't think of the right appropriate phrase for this day and age where we're just like, uh, sorry, not sorry. Maybe that's one of them. Terrible. <laughs> I mean, in reality, um, we should care about missing the mark. And that goes back to keeping the commandments. Do I not care at all when I make, did I miss a commandment? That's, I'd say, a screaming red flag. Do I, do I wallow in self-misery and sorrow? That's me not actually uh, putting the gospel into practice and receiving the truth of what God has said about me. I'm making it all about me instead of what God has already accomplished and done. God is incredibly quick. Thank you, Jesus. God is cr- incredibly quick and grateful to forgive us. He's not wagging his finger. Holy, that's just wonderful. It makes me so excited. Sorry. I'm just feeling the joy right now of the freedom of the true gospel where, no, we don't take it for granted and just say, well, I'm going to sin because I know God's going to forgive me. But when we are aware of having fallen and, and missed the mark, he is just waiting with a loving arms to forgive us and continue to sanctify us. Awesome, God. Moving on to the next couple of verses, also very excited. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Again, speaking from my own experience, how often I've felt lonely in life. Orphan is an incredibly powerful imagery for that. And God is speaking both, you know, I think literally, he's like, hey, I'm going to heaven. I'm not abandoning you, so you're not going to be orphans. But I think he's probably also talking about that sense and the human heart that we can feel so alone. And he's saying, you are not an orphan. One, because I'm keeping my helper with you and Jesus is praying for us right now in heaven. Praise God. And he's just speaking to that hole in our heart that he's saying, you're not orphans. I'm not leaving you as orphans. I love you. And it does suck. As the next verse says, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave and you're not going to see me anymore. I can't even imagine. That would have been so hard. I'm actually like, part of me wishes I was in Jesus's time. I feel like my heart would have just gave out right there. If I was like, I'm seeing you and now you're going back to heaven. Like I probably would have made, I know this might sound weird, an idol of the fact that Jesus was right there. And I wouldn't want to have like, how do I go on without seeing you daily anymore? I mean, in one sense, it sounds like a really good and beautiful thing, but it's like, wow, that is amazing that the disciples, uh, they, they didn't just like, stare out the window the rest of their lives. They continue to do good works in the name of Jesus. I can't even imagine what that would have been like to be like, you were here and now you're back in heaven. That would hurt so bad. Sorry, I'm still probably all over the place and suffering greatly from from baby brain. But I do want to go back to the beginning of this verse, actually, um, 
because I'm still just so strongly impressed, I think, by the Holy Spirit. They're like, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I know I listed some of the common things, like we love behavior change, don't we? Well, don't look at pornography. Don't do this. Don't do this. Do this instead. And some of that can be good to say, yes, no, pornography will destroy your marriage. It's not helpful. It is toxic. Please get counseling. Uh, There's no shame in that. Um, of getting counseling uh, or even just struggling with sin. You don't need to have shame to say like, but get help. But beyond maybe the more obvious ones, I'm still so, my heart grieves because there is so little love. I feel like in the average, my impression of, and sometimes experience of, average Christian, average church. I mean, remember that time when, when a person comes up to, to Jesus trying to self-justify themselves and, and they're like, what is the greatest commandment? And they have he has this dialogue with Jesus and he's like, I've done all the things that you've said, which is like, no, you haven't. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Get off your high horse. And then uh, he even quotes to Jesus or has this dialogue and, and says like, you know, loving, no, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, and strength. My goodness, like we could all collectively devote ourselves to just those two commandments. I think they'd be a lot more life-giving than all what I would call um, sub-paragraphs, sub-bullet points. By no means am I trying to um, decrease the law of God. No, sexual purity and all the other things are very important. But do you know the life changing experience of knowing and experiencing and believing that you are loved by the creator of the universe. All those other things are a byproduct of knowing your identity in Jesus, being loved and filled in Jesus by experiencing and beginning to see pieces of the face of God who loves humanity, even though we are horrible, and yet he pursues us, and we don't deserve it, and yet he says, I make you mine. That is powerful. That is life-changing. That is the fuel that makes you say, of course, Jesus, I want to kill the sin with you. I want to kill this sexual impurity with you. I want to kill this greed with you. I want to kill this sense of superiority and pride with you because you have given me identity. You have given me a foundation of which now I see that nothing else in this world remotely comes in comparison to how good and beautiful you are. I want to touch on last week, uh, last podcast, I made this, uh, this, this comment about God wants us to be wealthy. I probably butchered that because he talks about riches and they're not materialistic riches. And that's what I was trying to go for is that God wants us to, to have the reality of the wealth of who he is, which is fullness in him, which is the beauty of his face, which is the beauty and the goodness of his heart which is being restored to not just like other people, which is beautiful, but being restored to the maker of heaven and earth. Those are the great riches, the riches of his glory, the riches of his kindness, the riches of his passion and his beauty. Go out and find the most beautiful things in this world and in the galaxy. God authored those things. God designed those things. They are just mere reflections of his incredible majesty and beauty. 
Those are the riches that God is talking about. Not this crap currency money. Not freaking materialism. That's garbage. In comparison to the glory and the riches of being in good, everlasting, eternal relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. And so back to what I was saying. And this idea, if Jesus, the, 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 the number one commandments, man, we miss out on the two most significant. There's a reason he emphasizes those as the two greatest, at least in my experience and my understanding. It's because if we truly know, first of all, like, I, don't, I can't love God without him loving me first. Read the whole text. It's already there. I don't know why it doesn't, like, <laughs> is it like an Easter egg that God is planting? Does he really, like, challenge us to to dive deep into his word, to find these truths, maybe. But it's already in the text that basically says, you can't love God without him loving you first. If I experience God's love for me and his salvation and forgiveness for me, that allows me to love him. If I love him with all of my heart, many of my fears, many of my anxieties and depressions will go away. Again, I will tell you, I am someone who struggles with depression, still take meds, not ashamed of it. I hate it. It sucks because my pride wants to say I'm a counselor. I shouldn't have to take medicine. I will also tell you this, though. I can be on medicine and still be depressed when my heart is set on not having enough, not being grateful, not seeing how God has historically shown up for me and been faithful. No amount of medicine, God, gosh, like you'd have to be really knocked out for it to numb at that point, very helpful emotions that are trying to say your heart is not in on solid ground. But if I know and experience God's love for me, it can wash many. That's the reason I'm saying many, not all, because sometimes we do have a chemical imbalance. It can wash many of our anxieties away and much of our hurt away. So I'm encouraging us to reflect, maybe like daily, (laughs) definitely for this next week. But man, I'm trying to reflect on this daily. I need to love God with all my heart. I need to be receiving his love for me. And I need to be loving other people. It is so easy for me to feel offended. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. I'm, I'm very annoyed by people that, excuse me, don't drive safely because I was in a car accident. I still feel pain every single day because I was in a car accident. I was sitting at a stoplight, rear-ended, and I have been in pain ever since that day. And it sucks. And so I'm still a little hypervigilant. But that doesn't give me a right to hate people. Because they're driving recklessly and selfishly and foolishly. And that's where, like one of many areas that I'm convicted. Where are you convicted? Where where do you see yourself? Man, it might feel really good to hate this person. It might feel really good temporarily to want extreme justice to happen to this person. But is that the heart of God? Holding that, yes, justice is good. A good friend of mine once said, hey, if one of my friends was to like kill somebody, wouldn't ever expect that. You need to go to jail and I would still stay in relationship with you. I thought that was such a great balance. Like we live in a world where it's so easy to say if you do wrong or you sin, not only do you need to face justice, but you need to be cut off and hated and canceled. And that is not the gospel. I don't like it. It's offensive. I don't want to love people that are terrible. 
But that's where the mere points are back at me. And apart from the grace of God, I'm terrible. I still am kind of terrible because I'm a sinner. It sucks. doesn't feel good to say that. And I thought that was such a great balance. Justice is good. People need to face consequences for their actions. And yet we don't say, you know, I'm forever done with you. Man, I am so thankful to be able to do these podcasts more regularly again. I have so much fun doing them. And I am incredibly humbled that so many people like listen to this. Like I was just checking the stats. I hadn't checked them since actually like <laughs> we had our kiddo and my life was changed. Um, we're up to 1100 downloads at this point, 1100 listens. Like that is just mind boggling. Um, and I'm just really humbled. I'm humbled by uh, people listening and God's work in this. I pray that this does uh, touch people's hearts and, and, and change you, change me, change other people, offer um, really pointing back to Jesus and just trying to adore Jesus. We need we need a lot more of that in life, in my opinion. Uh, so thank you so much for li- listening. Thanks for sharing this with your friends and family. Um, it means a lot to me. It's really cool to feel so supported. Uh, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.